In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-6, to the Apostle reminds believers to remember the predictions of the Holy Prophets and the commandments of Jesus through the Apostles. And the principles and truths taught by these individuals in these prophecies and commandments was to guide their lives and their understanding of truth. Now, Peter wants to remind believers, however, that belief in the prophets and teaching of Jesus Christ through the apostles would not always be easy. In fact, notice what he tells them in verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Peter tells us that one of the signs of the last days is that there would be scoffers. And the idea here is that there would be people who mock the predictions of the holy prophets and the teaching of Jesus through the apostles. For these individuals, the scriptures will have no relevance for their day. They will deny the authority of Scripture in their lives, and these Scriptures will be abandoned. Notice what Peter tells us will happen as a result of this. In verse 3, he tells us that this will lead to following their own sinful desires. They will do what is right in their own eyes. They will take authority over their own lives and actions and do as they please. And of course, no society can thrive when its citizens follow their own sinful desires. Now understand here that our government and judicial systems seek to restrain crime and evil in our societies. But what happens when these systems also begin to turn from the standards of God's word? Well, we begin to see laws being made to kill infants in the womb when it's not convenient. We, we see children being taken from parents for teaching and directing their children in the path of scriptures. We see schools being forced to comply with principles that do not comply with the teaching of God's word. We see legislation promoting behavior that scripture declares sinful. We see corruption in the highest places. We watch the Bible and prayers being taken out of our schools. We see whole generations who know nothing of the Bible or the work of Jesus. Jesus on their behalf. Peter warns us here that there will be scoffers in the last days who will follow their own sinful desires, and these scoffers will be found even in the highest places, influencing our governments, influencing our schools, influencing our courts, and believers will find themselves being mocked, ridiculed, and even persecuted for the faith they believe, and the truth of scriptures they uphold. Notice what these scoffers will say, according to Peter, in verse 4. 2 Peter 3, verse 4. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. These scoffers will demand an answer to a very basic question. Where is the promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus? And the question is a difficult one for believers. It asks, why hasn't he come yet? 
Are, are you really sure he's coming? We've been waiting for 2,000 years. But more than this, the question causes us to reflect on the goodness and justice of God. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Look at the world around you. See the injustice that is taking place. Examine the natural catastrophes that take countless lives. Watch the mother grieving over the grave of her young baby. Consider the crime and horrible atrocities of our day. And the scoffer demands an answer. Where is the Lord? Where is the promise of his coming to resolve these issues? What kind of God watches these things take place for thousands of years without stepping in and stopping it? Well, what answer do we give those who scoff and demand an answer to their question of where is the Lord and his coming? Well, consider what Peter says in verses 5 and 6 about these scoffers. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Now consider Peter's argument here. First, the earth was formed out of water. The world as we know it, as we look at Genesis and the account of the creation, was covered with water. And God made dry land appear in the midst of that water. And how did that land appear? It appeared by the word of God. God spoke and it came into being. Second, the earth that we know, the earth that existed at that day, in those days, in the days of Noah, when people turned their backs on God, God called again to the waters, and the waters covered the entire earth. And the result was that the population of the earth was destroyed, and only Noah and his family remained. Everything else perished. So what is Peter telling us here? He's telling us that scoffers and disbelievers of Scripture failed to take into consideration the power of that word that they denied, the power of the word of God. The word found in Scripture comes from the mouth of the one who spoke, and the dry land appeared out of the waters that covered the earth. The, the same word sent waters to destroy that earth. And the power of the word was demonstrated in both creation and the flood. And the word that they deny has the very power of life and death. But secondly, the scoffers and believers, disbelievers in Scripture failed to consider that God is not bound by time, nor are his promises bound by time. How long was it before God spoke and created the world? 
How long was the earth in this water, covered by water without land? God's promises are not weakened by time. The power that spoke the earth into existence has not diminished over time. The word that sent the waters to destroy the earth have not lost its authority. God is outside of time. Time has no effect on him nor his word. We, on the other hand, are creatures of time. Years take their toll on our bodies. We grow weak and feeble. We begin to forget and to lose our ability to reason. But this is not the case for God. He does not diminish with time. He never forgets. The God who created the world and sent the flood is the same God today. The word that spoke in the days of Noah will speak again, says Peter. And Peter tells us that the power of that word will once again be felt on this earth. Listen to what he says in verse 7. By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The day is coming, according to Peter, when that word of God will sound from heaven again. And on that day, the Lord will call for fire to fall. And in obedience to the voice of God, the fire will fall and destroy the earth and the ungodly. Peter prophesies that the word of the Lord will yet bring another great judgment, even greater than the universal flood of Noah's day that wiped out the population of humans and animals on this planet, and this judgment will be directed towards the ungodly and those who have refused the word of God as the creator releases by the word of his mouth that great fire of judgment upon this earth, the power of the word of God to create and to destroy and to judge. Now, having reminded us that the word of God has not lost its power, it brought into existence the world as we know it, it destroyed the world in Noah's day, and it will again sound and bring fire to destroy the world as, uh, and its evil in the days to come. And Peter moves on now to speak in verse 8, and he says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. What is time to an eternal God? Now, we are so focused as human beings on time. Sin brought death to this world, and it placed us under the curse of time. We only have so long to live and to accomplish what we have to do. But that's not the case for God. He doesn't have a wristwatch. He, he doesn't wake up in the morning to an alarm. He has no fatigue to let him know that it's bedtime. His strength does not diminish with use. What is a day or what is a thousand years when there is unlimited time? We must rush as individuals because we only have so much time. We, but we cannot see God in this way. From our limited perspective, we, we want to know when things are taking place because we're so governed by schedules and clocks. But the question when is irrelevant when there is no time. And when we are not restricted or governed by time, 
Listen to what Peter says in verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Peter tells us that the Lord isn't slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. The slowness Peter speaks about here is connected with time. We see everything as being slow because we see, because we have deadlines and time constraints and are governed by clocks and watches and calendars. But God is not focused on time, but on purpose. And God has a purpose for this world. And that purpose is being unfolded. And Peter tells us that the Lord's slowness, in fact, works towards our benefit. And it's a demonstration of his patience toward us. He's building his kingdom. And that kingdom is comprised of men and women who who come to know him and accept his son and his work on their behalf and his delay, if you will, Promote, provides us the opportunity for, or the opportunity for everyone who will come to him to come. And only when that last sheep has entered the fold will his voice of judgment be heard. Now, while we don't know when that purpose of God will be accomplished, Peter tells us very clearly, but the day of the Lord will come. There's absolute certainty in the words of Peter here. The Lord will come. Now, from our perspective, the promise has been a long time awaiting fulfillment, but the promise is not affected by time. And the power of God to accomplish that purpose is never diminished. Now, while we do not know the time when that promise will be fulfilled and the Lord will return, Peter gives us three details in verse 10 about the return of the Lord. Let's take a moment to consider these details. First, Peter tells us, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, when do you expect the thief to come? The reality is that you just don't know. He could be at your home right now when you wouldn't know. You can't predict when a thief will come. If you could, you would slack off, and uh, and, um, when he's scheduled to come, you would prepare yourself in your home. But because you do not know when the thief will come, you must always be ready. It does no good to try and figure out the day or the hour the thief will come. Just be ready all the time. And so Peter tells us that the day of the Lord will come like a thief when you don't expect it, when you're not even thinking about it. The Lord will come at that time. Next, Peter tells us this, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. Peter tells us that the heavens will pass away with a roar. Doesn't make it any clearer than that. Well, we'd all like to know how that's going to happen and when that's going to happen and how it's all going to unfold. But we're just not told. But what Peter does make clear to us is that the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. Planets. Stars and other things in space will be affected by this incredibly great explosion that causes a roar over the entire space. 
space and the heavens as we know them will be no longer. And notice thirdly, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Finally, the apostle tells us that the earth and its works will be exposed. Now, Peter began speaking here about scoffers who followed their, their sinful desires, and you can imagine the evil and sin that will run rampant on an earth that has no regard for the word of God, and Peter assures us that these evil deeds will be exposed before a holy God, and the exposing of those works of a sinful heart to a holy God is certainly something that we cannot take lightly. Sin is repulsive to God. Sin and rebellion must be addressed and punished by a just God, but not only that will be exposed, but consider also the great technological works of our day, the works of our earth. We wonder what we can't achieve sometimes in our pride, and, but the day is coming when those great works in all of our technology and the mechanical and scientific advances and medical advances will all be exposed to the Creator, and what will be the result? Will He be impressed? Will these great advances mean anything on that day when the heavens have passed away? Will we stand before him rather in, in terror, recognizing just how small we really are despite our great technological and medical and scientific and social advances? And as the fire of God's judgment consumes every human achievement and we stand naked before him, what will we have to say? Well, in the end, will we not come to understand that what really matters is what we so proudly mocked, the word of God? That word was our hope, but we turned our backs on it. That word had all the answers, but we did not listen. That word had the good news of Jesus Christ, but we rejected him. This word told us of our purpose, but we found another purpose. It revealed our Savior, but we rejected him. And we turned away from that word, scoffing and mocking and choosing our own path instead. What do we say? to those who scoff at the predictions of the prophets and the command of Jesus through the apostles, we remind them that while heavens and earth, the heaven and the earth will pass away, his word will endure. Amen.